Welcome to the To Read List. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 136 unread books on my shelf. With me is my friend Toby. Hey. My brother Andrew. Hey. And my husband Dylan is our sound recordist. Hey. All right. Cool. <laughs> well, Toby, when you get to start. go first, we will obviously play off of whatever hello you use, and you chose a weird one today. Okay. Does it? I, I, I guess I deserve Do you get it. nervous every time not knowing who I'm going to say first? Don't you always say me first? I think do you I? always say yeah, Toby first. Yeah. Oh, I thought I was switching it up, but I guess not. No, no. I mean, there no. you go. Well, guys, um, it's been two weeks since I finished Anna Karenina in two weeks. Which one did you finish? Yeah, Anna what Karenina? book was that? Oh. <laughs> it sounded like uh, you said Anna Karenina. Anna And I just feel great. I just still feel great. I still feel like I'm coming off from a marathon, and this past week was really easy with this book, and I just feel like nothing can go wrong. Excellent. I'm I was super happy for you. I, yeah. That was a trial. I, like, I could feel it happening. I live many miles away from you, and I could feel the reading pain. I have something I'm thankful for, too, this week, which is that... So while Andrew's I, done with your... Andrew is done with your no, no, self-congratulations. No, it's related. It's related, Toby. Um... I'm thankful that I have three picks, and I've only used one, so I can give you something really long this week. Ah. Rude. No, don't do it. I do have to admit that after I finished it, I wanted to give myself a reward. Yeah, you spoke about it on on, yes. on so podcast. I, I yeah, but I thought through. we talked you down from this. Well, I don't listen to you guys. So <laughs> I went to Barnes A. Noble. Is store. that a small independent bookstore that you we all small know? Small independent. Is that the is that your attempt to like camouflage so you don't like name check? Yeah. Anyway, I went there and I bought myself a book and a puzzle. So I do have a little shame. However, I have already finished reading that book. Do you know what the puzzle is? You're the puzzle. Actually, <laughs> to me. you're bought, a puzzle to me. I bought, Why? I bought two puzzles. If I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not even going to tell us what book it was because you've already yeah, read it. Yeah, what book was it? No, I can tell you. It's called Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered. Mm. Oh, it's the MFM book. Okay, another cool. Another podcast? Yes, it's another podcast book. My Favorite Murder just came out with their memoir slash cheeky advice book. And I read it very quickly and it was enjoyable. It was a good, I want to say palate cleanser from Anna Karenina, but there's <laughs> nothing wrong with Anna Karenina. It was just like, you know, let's let's. Calm I think it down. it's fair to say that those books, while both having a lot of merit, are very different. And I can see why you <laughs> wanted to read something different afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Do you gentlemen have any shame? No, not even a speck. Oh, good. Andrew? Um, I bought some books, but they're not for me, and Uh-oh. they haven't arrived yet. Uh-oh. Are they going to be permanently living in your house? No, I'm going to be giving okay. them to someone. Oh, is it... Is it Barnes A. Noble? No, it's, it's unfortunately the digital equivalent, but no. So does that mean they're birthday presents for me? <laughs> I'm not saying anything else about it. All I'm saying is I had my credit card charged for books, but they're not for me. And they won't mm. be staying in my house. So therefore, my cat Wallace. Mm. And I got for you your very rich. own copy of Anatomy of Melancholy. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the extra large print copy. So it's like, it's like the size of a refrigerator. 5, pages. <laughs> um, the other day I was in a bookstore like looking through, as I said, and I picked up a really nice, beautiful edition of Don Quixote. And I was like, Bailey, put that down. You do not want any part of this, Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about on the podcast, I feel like this is up our audience's alley, but there's this new game out. It's called Harry Potter Wizards Unite. And I just think we should talk a little bit about it. Is it up there Diagon Alley? 
Oh. Dylan, I'm not even in the same state as you, and I still want you to leave the room. <laughs> uh, just make sure you leave a deru- the room in a westerly direction so you're not closer to Andrew. I don't know Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think listeners of the podcast, first of all, should know that Dylan has read books one through six of Harry Potter and not book seven. It's absolutely insane. I think I, I, think I got it. I got the gist of it. He saw the movies. He thinks that's good enough. I feel like we should maybe make Dylan read that for the podcast. Yeah, it is completely insane to me that you would bother. I mean, I understand people who read like book one or book maybe book two and they're like, right. okay, that's enough. But one through six is such a commitment already. I just like if you could sum up. Like you said, haha, I got it. I know where it's headed. Really, like, why not? Is Do you have no interest? Well, I mean, you've only finished like two books in the Jack Ryan Tom Clancy series, and you don't see me going down your throat about it. Dylan, That's stop dodging the question. <laughs> stop dodging the question. I want a concrete reason. You just... It, it, no, it was just one of those things when I... You told me it was because you'd seen the movie, and you're like, I know how it ends. Yeah, and then I saw the movie. At midnight with Bailey. I don't know. He's coming up with a lot of excuses... And hasn't really, none of them have been the one that he decided to give us. So I feel like he doesn't have a reason. I also have to feed my cat, so. Mm. I think Dylan should have to read Harry Potter. I think Dylan, next week, not next, yeah, next week, you have to report to us about the first chapter of Harry Potter Part 7. Yeah. You know what I'm doing? What? I'm using my pick. I'm going to use one of my picks. There's no, there's no rule against this. I, I forced Dylan to read Harry Potter book seven. I'm pretty sure. That Absolutely. I'm going to give you more than one episode to do it. You don't have to do it by next episode, but yeah. by the Wait, episode Dylan, after that, Dylan, uh, you will. Toby, hold on to your pick. Hold on to your pick. We're going to make him do it anyway. I, I I'd I, like to enforce it. I think it's enforceable. I it's a fun Harry, thing. I can't read Harry Potter in two weeks. That's insane. Oh my god. I think it's a fun <laughs> thing to do. I want the, I want the weight of the podcast to be behind this, so I'm using one of my picks, and what? Dylan. You have to read Harry Potter book seven. That's one of my picks. Ooh. You don't have to do it by the next episode. We'll give you some time, maybe a couple episodes, because I know um, you're not so super enthusiastic about it. I... But we will have a report on the first chapter of Harry Potter book seven by our next episode. And then we'll kind of check in with Dylan uh, from then on. We'll seeing what's happening. Dylan's Harry Potter corner. Yeah, Dylan's I... Harry. Ooh, chapter by chapter. <laughs> I love it. I kind of like it. I think we need a name for this segment. Uh, Dylan's Cupboard Under the Stairs. Dylan's Cupboard <laughs> Under the Stairs. Go check out the Cupboard Under the Stairs with Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, great. Mostly because I want to lock him in a cupboard under the stairs in real life. Aww. Can Can Jillian please write us like a knockoff of the Harry Potter? Like, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. But it's like, it's Dylan's Cupboard Under the Stairs. I will stairs, ask her too. once we're done recording and I bet she'll say yes. <laughs> Uh, that's excellent. I love that. Just want to let you guys know if you're into, if you ever got into the Pokemon Go uh, craze. Oh yeah, we were supposed to be talking about the app. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all right. It, uh, Wizards Unite is super fun. It, there's a lot going on in the game. Toby was a little intimidated by it. I downloaded it because Bailey recommended it, mm-hmm. and I got scared and intimidated because there's too much to do. So I like cast a spell and I let Hagrid free, and then I haven't played it since. Yeah. That's fair. And I downloaded it. And I just don't know who half these people are. I don't know what like a Ron oh, Weasley is. On. Like, I'm not. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm lost. I'm <laughs> really looking forward to this review. All right. Well, this week Toby had a classic of fantasy on his list. Toby, what book got picked for you, and what did you review? Um, this week I'm reviewing my reading experience of The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. Woo! Woot! Woo! Woo indeed. 
It's a story of a young hobbit who inherits a mysterious ring from his uncle. Uh, the ring turns out to be the key in a struggle between good and evil that basically could decide the fate of the entire land that they live in. This is a big one. I mean, everybody knows it. Um, most people, I feel like, have seen the movie, whether they like fantasy or not. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that has gotten into every corner of our culture. Um, and it was an interesting reading experience. I'm a big fan of fantasy. Um, it's a big part of my life. But I put off reading this one because I had heard rumors that it was very dull in parts and kind of hard to get through. Uh, have you read The Hobbit? I have read The Hobbit. I read okay. The Hobbit when I was a kid. Um, or I think I might have like even read it when I was so young that like I read it with my parents. Yeah, you know, I did. You guys ever I did do that? Too. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember enjoying that. And I remember it moves right along. It's like a concise story. It's fun. Mm -hmm. um, this starts off and it is certainly slow. But in the beginning, I was just kind of on board with it. I was like, it's really, it's fun. The writing is quite nice. And he's very good at describing like scenery and setting. He starts out in the Shire and it's like the place that you would maybe want to visit. Greenery everywhere and little hobbit holes. and Everyone's drinking little tiny mugs of beer. and It's very fun. So um, before the book even starts, there's like a bunch of notes from J.R.R. Tolkien about like, hobbit history and language lessons and it's just this bizarre way to start off the book where it's like questions that you wouldn't even necessarily have until after you'd finished the book mm. in my edition it's quite long it's like 20 pages of like all this stuff and i was like okay but then the, the story starts very familiar to you if you've seen the movies um it's kind of you know uh, Bilbo has gone on this adventure before. He kind of picked up the ring from Gollum under the mountain. They're not really sure what it does, but it has this like curiously attractive power to anybody who holds it. But he's old and he wants to go off on one final adventure. There's this sense of he's a restless spirit. Um, so he throws himself an 111st birthday and Gandalf is there, Gandalf the wizard, who is his longtime adventuring friend. And Gandalf has encouraged him to not only leave the house to Frodo, but also this ring, which Gandalf has become curious about. So that's very familiar if you've seen the movie. I feel like most people have seen the movie. It's very faithful to the book, mm -hmm. um, which is really fun. So you have that experience of being like, ooh, this is different, and this is the same, and seeing like, oh, they pulled this line of dialogue right out of the book, which I actually... I thought they had pulled no lines of dialogue out of the book. I think maybe because it's set in a fantasy world, we might, you know, read or listen to lines that are kind of old-timey. They kind of fit within the world better. That's true, yeah. Um, what so, do your elf eyes see? <laughs> that's not in the... Wizard, you shall not pass! <laughs> exactly. Uh, so one of the funny things I, I noticed at the beginning of the book is Bilbo is kind of a butthole. Um, he's like very judgmental of all his fellow. Yeah, he's he's very judgmental against all of his fellow hobbits. Like there's like this kind of grasping family that wants his house, and he really like sticks it to them. Um, he gives all these people ironic presents when he's going, when he like after he leaves. So he gives uh, someone a golden pen and ink pot for someone who never responded to his letters. Ooh, he gives a really nice waste paper basket to someone who wrote him too many letters. Um, and it's just like all these things where it felt like, you know, when you're reading a book and you feel like this is just the author, like complaining about people in his life for <laughs> sure. Like, and it's that part of it felt like Hobbiton and the Shire felt like very much like England, like mm -hmm. this, like manners and tradition and the kind of passive aggressive gifts, passive aggressive gifts and, uh, and like farm, like, you know, the kind of country farm life that a lot of like idealized in, in English life sometimes. 
Bilbo leaves and Gandalf has this thing where he's like, keep it secret, keep it safe, you know, to Frodo mm-hmm. about the ring. You know, there's something wrong with this ring. Be careful about it. And Gandalf leaves and does some research and comes back. Mm-hmm. In the movie, I always assumed it was like, he goes away for like a month or two. Mm-hmm. In the book, he leaves for 20 years. Whoa. And then comes back. So it's, the whole book is like that. It's very stretched out. Like mm-hmm. everything, the amounts of time are so much longer. And the world, this is one good thing I got out of the book. The world, because of that, is so much bigger. Mm-hmm. Everyone's traveling on the road. They're so incredibly long that you do feel the sense of like, wow, they're going somewhere. They're crossing this gigantic forest mm-hmm. and then they're crossing these huge mountains. So that's a very interesting sense of scale that the book gives you. But I do want to talk about some ups and downs. So I'll say the down first. So we can end on an up. Um, can, can we call them um, elves and orcs? Yes, Elf? so Dude. orc. <laughs> so one of the orcs that I have is the elves. <laughs> <laughs> the elves, and it has to do, it's kind of a complicated point to make, but if you've read the books and even seen the movies, there's this whole mythology about Middle-earth. Middle-earth seems to be on a trajectory where in the past it was soaked with magic. Mm-hmm. Elves lived everywhere. It was a time of peace and a time of beauty, and there was power, and people did amazing things. But that time has ended, and now we're, they're in a middle age, Everyone seems to acknowledge that things are going down. Mm-hmm. Everything is getting worse. Magic is leaving the land. The elves are leaving. I know that's a big plot point over the movies and the books is no matter what happens with Sauron, the guy who's after the ring, who's created it, who's the big bad guy over all the books, they basically say, like, even if you beat Sauron somehow, which we don't think you can do, mm-hmm. we're out of here. Like, we're going to abandon this land. Our time is over. And it just... It's one of the good things about the books because it adds this sense of sadness and melancholy. There's no way to avoid the kind of degradation of the world. And it is it is framed as it's going to get worse. But at the same time, it's this kind of pessimism that I feel like Tolkien... I didn't do any research, so I was interested to see if he felt this way. But it's the kind of nostalgia for the past that I think a lot of people who are not very forward-thinking have mm-hmm. about today's world. Things are never going to get better. They're only going to degrade and degrade until there's no magic left, and all it is is humanity, which is basically it's like everybody else and then humans and then orcs are the worst. Kind of a complaint that I have with the book. It's a, It adds a lot to the book. It's very sad and interesting, but at the same time, that kind of perspective just kind of bugged me. And the elves are set up, I think, to an American audience, especially who we like to believe in equality and everyone is on an even playing field. The elves are so, presented as so amazing and so beautiful and so untouchable that they're kind of irritating to me. So you're <laughs> saying that you're jealous of how hot Orlando Bloom is. All right. Well, you're not supposed to cut me in half right on the podcast after <laughs> I was... Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Um, so that's an orc. So that was an orc. That was one of my complaints. Um, and then the other quick complaint I have that everybody has, I think, a lot of people, even people that like this book, it is incredibly slow. There are deviations that are insanely long, like so many descriptions. I personally like a rich description, but he definitely goes overboard describing all the nature and all the stuff they encounter. It's very slow. Such as Tom Bombadil? (laughs) Yeah, Tom Bombadil is... um, is certainly a, like it seems like a place where a lot of people abandon the book. Yeah. Because there's this very exciting start to the book. You know, they start off on um, the hobbits leave the Shire, and they have to get to a certain place to meet with somebody else. They're on the run. They're running. They're running. They're running. And then they get waylaid by this weirdo Tom Bombadil who lives in the forest and who's like a forest god of some kind. He's hard to put your finger on, and he like sings them a million songs and hangs out with his weird, beautiful wife. 
and that happens for like 50 pages and there's no and everyone's all the hobbits are like whoo we don't want to leave and the, as a reader you're like leave like get out of here I like how peter jackson's like we're just we're not gonna do that we're yeah. gonna skip tom bomb yeah <laughs> tom bomb is cut i'm glad you asked about tom bombadil mm-hmm. because a perfect example of like this bizarre pacing where things are exciting and then they slow down for no reason is when they get to tom bombadil's house mm-hmm. so while the hobbits are fleeing they're being pursued by these nine ring raids they're very scary they're very well done they're exciting they're these black riders on these giant horses and they're kind of pounding around the countryside and the hobbits have to hide here and there to avoid them there's a very exciting moment when they cross the river on a ferry just as the rider kind of rides up to the side of the river and he oh he almost gets them it's very exciting and you're like oh wow this book is really getting going then they stop and sing Frodo's favorite bathing song for a page or two. <laughs> and uh, what does that sound like? I'm glad you didn't ask. I have it right here. <clears throat> the voice of Pippin was suddenly lifted up above the others in one of Bilbo's favorite bath songs. Sing hey for the bath at close of day that washes the weary mud away. A loon is he that will not sing. Oh, water hot is a noble thing. Oh, sweet is the sound of falling rain, and the brook that leaps from hill to plain, but better than rain or rippling streams, is water hot that smokes and steams. So I think that's a dope track. Yeah, I mean, you can't see me here, but I am dancing my pants off. All right. This is maybe not that bad, because that's actually a pretty fun one. But, but it, <laughs> oh, is, it. it is an example of the bizarre pacing where it's like exciting thing and then abrupt slowdown for a long time. Mm-hmm. So the elves of the book that I really liked, um, the descriptions of nature are absolutely beautiful when they're not too long. Um, he has created in one swoop a bunch of the tropes that I still really enjoy, these immersive, gigantic worlds. He puts so much work into it. It feels like a real place with real cultures that you're inter- interacting with. So those are all great. And when he gets down to the action, it's exciting. It's really good. Like There is a part where the kind of fellowship, this whole band of people, descends into the mines of Moria, which is really a scary place, and they have an encounter with a terrifying beast, and it's absolutely thrilling. It's really good. So those parts of the book are great. It's just that that happens, and then guess what? They come out of the mines of Moria, and a bunch of boring stuff happens for a long time. No, not even bathing songs. I feel like now that I've described it, it's a highlight. I'm thinking back on it. I don't know why I made it an orc. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the, the, just the pacing is very strange. But yeah, but it overall, great, foundational, amazing book. So how many stars overall? I gave it four stars. Ah. It was actually hovering on three for a while. I was like, considering your review, I thought it would be lower. It was hovering on three for a while. I do give it a lot of respect for what it's done for the genre, which is basically create it mm-hmm. um, in its modern iteration, at least. I, considering the really exciting parts, yeah, they really bumped it up for me. I have a lot more respect for me as a sixth grader who really didn't like The Fellowship of the Ring and liked The Two Towers. And I'm wondering if it's now because mm. of what you're talking about. Because I remember The Two Towers moving by a lot faster. And I thought it was just because I was sort of dumb when I read the first one. And then second ha- semester of sixth grade, I was so much smarter. But <laughs> I think it might just be that The Two Towers is uh, m- more like fast-paced. I Yeah, I can imagine it would be. Speaking of The Two Towers, are you going to keep reading the trilogy? If I continue reading it, I probably will. I'll mm-hmm. get curious. Um, but it, like, it's going to be like over years, probably. Like, I'll, okay. I'm not going to put the second one on my to-read list now. Sometime in the future. Yeah. Well, cool. um, while we're on the subject, I just really want to clear the air about something that happened um, in the year 2001. In the year 2001. All right. 2001. Uh, I'm in sophomore year English class. We have 
a task to a quest <laughs> to read um, a book for a book group. Um, and in my group was another kid who was reading the same book, which is Fellowship of the Ring, which is, had just come out in theaters. The guy who was reading it was Todd, and he was the sort of dreamy guy of my high school. Long blonde hair, but not that long, if you know what I mean. Lord of the Rings. Dylan, right now, steam is coming out of his ears. He's How flexing all his muscles. Dare. I never had a crush on him. A lot of girls in my class did, though. Regardless. End of the unit. We have to go around and like summarize our book. Hmm. Todd says the ending of the movie, but not the ending of the book. And I had just read Did you rat him out? So on the evaluation, I wrote, Dear Mrs. Johansson, I have to let you know that I think Todd just watched the movie and didn't read the book. Bailey, no. (laughs) Why did you care, Bailey? (laughs) Oh. Why, Bailey, why? (laughs) If If he is listening... I apologize if you got like a B plus on that assignment, but you know, you didn't read the book. So yeah, it's funny because I'm like, at the same time, I am so judgmental of you and of Todd. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on nobody's side. No one comes out a hero in this story. (laughs) Okay. So uh, Andrew, do you have any facts about John Ramis Ramis Tolkien? Um, for a second, I thought you were going to step on my first fact by using his name because his first name is John. Oh, yes, I do have some. Ronaldo Reagan Tolkien. <laughs> Wait, the second one was is Ronald. No way. What? Wait, let's see Wait, if we can get the third go, one. Let's go for three. Let's go three for three. Yeah, okay. Dylan, uh, what's the... John Ronald Randall Tolkien? No, but but the same first and last letter. Okay, <laughs> so. Wow. John Ronald Rule, which I'm assuming is a family name, so no shame for not guessing that, Dylan, was born January 3rd, 1892 in Bloemfontein, Orange Free State, which is modern-day South Africa. Whoa. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. I did not know that either. Yep. One person online listing facts said that means he's not British. That's a lie. At the time, it was a British colony. So you are spreading misinformation. (laughs) Todd. Hobbit 420. (laughs) Um... When he was three, he visited England to see his family, but his father died while they were gone. So they ended up staying in England instead of returning to South Africa. They moved around a bit, stayed with various relatives, um, going sort of all over the countryside, including uh, visiting his Aunt Jane's farm, which was called Bag End. He went by Ronald to his family, so he went by his second first name, I guess. So they wouldn't have been calling him J.R.R. They'd be calling him... Old Ronnie boy. When he was 16, um, he met his future wife, Edith, who was 19 at the time. Uh, And these are the words of a biographer named Humphrey Carpenter. Edith and Ronald took to frequenting Birmingham tea shops, especially ones which had a balcony overlooking the pavement. There they would sit and throw sugar lumps into the hats of passerbys, moving on to the next table when the sugar bowl was empty. With two people of their personalities and in their position, romance was bound to flourish. Both were orphans in need of affection, and they found that they could give it to each other. During the summer of 1909, they decided that they were in love. That's old-timey Pokemon Go right there. Sugar bowls and hats. (laughs) Throwing sugar into people's hats. (laughs) They didn't have phones at the time, so So instead of throwing balls to catch a Pokemon, you'd throw sugar balls. Bailey, you are so deep. You are so deep. Okay. Well, so there's a little bit more of a complication to their love story. He ended up leaving for a bit. She got engaged with somebody else. Then he came back and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then they ended up getting married. I'm sure that's what the movie Tolkien is about. 
but we're not dealing with mm-hmm. that here today. Can you imagine if he like walked back in and like he like he was walking down the street and he felt something hit his hat? He <laughs> takes his hat off, That's there's sugar in it, thing, and then Edith. he looks up to like the street above and she's like, "Oh my god." I mean, I, again, we haven't seen the movie, but I'm assuming that's the like pivotal scene. That must be what it is. <laughs> um, he served in the First World War, including at the Battle of the Somme. Um, he ended up getting sick with a fever called trench fever and uh, spent a lot of the time in field hospitals and getting sent back to England. But he served throughout the duration of the war and even a little bit after. He lost all but one of his closest friends, he has said, uh, in the First World War. And his first civilian job after uh, World War I was at the Oxford English Dictionary, where he worked mainly on the history and etymology of words of Germanic origin, beginning with the letter W. Very specific. Whoa, he got the Ws? He got the dubs. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So you can see... where maybe he uh, expanded on his interest in creating languages and things like that. He actually created languages with his young cousins when they were growing up. So from a very young age, he was into creating different uh, linguistic elements, which he took forward into his books. The Fellowship of the Ring was published on July 29th, 1954, nearly 17 years after The Hobbit. So there was quite a delay between the two. And The Hobbit was actually originally just a text he sort of created for his kids um, that a publisher found out about and then he did a lot of that he, he created he wrote letters from from santa claus that uh also have been published that were initially just intended for his kids um but then uh-huh. there was public interest in there being a sequel and he took 17 years to to write the lord of the rings and published it is anybody else picturing like publishers staying outside his house <laughs> yeah. and like digging through the trash like oh he's got another one <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and his work was uh, was not like rapturously received at the time, but but well received, um, and it led to a resurgence of the fantasy genre, as Toby alluded to. It got really popular in the '60s with with a slight delay, um, especially with like countercultural people. And uh, Tolkien was actually sort of openly dismissive of them. But hey, they pay your bills, J.R.R. Whatever sells books. Actually, they didn't quite pay his bills because uh, throughout his whole life, even after he was a literary celebrity, he taught at Oxford University, which he also attended as an English professor. He died on September 2nd, 1973, aged 81. And he is, I think, the ninth. I can't remember. I didn't write this fact down, but he's something like the ninth most high paid dead author of all time. So he's still making his money. Even in death. Even in death. Excellent facts. I didn't know a lot of that. Well, my book this week is just as popular as Fellowship of the Ring. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My book is Sadie by Courtney Summers. It was a gift from my brother, Andrew. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And it's one of those rare books that Andrew picked out for me versus me picking out for myself. So good one, Andrew. Yeah, I... Actually, I ended, it was a late addition to your Christmas book pile because I heard an interview where people were listing their favorite books of the year on NPR and they just happened to mention it. I was like, that sounds right up Bailey's alley. I will see if I can get a copy. It absolutely is right up my alley. So what it's about, so it's a dual narrative. One part of it is told by the perspective of Sadie, the name of the book. Sadie is a teenager. She's trying to track down the man who killed her little sister in an effort to kill him. The other half is a true crime podcast where the host is looking for Sadie who is missing. Hmm. Is it like the transcript of a podcast or is it? It's a transcript. So it'll say like, um, so-and-so says this and -and so-and-so says this and like background noise. And even whenever there's a new episode, it'll say, The Girls is sponsored by Macmillan Publishing, (laughs) which I thought was cute. Am I right in thinking that the events, like the transcript of the podcast occurs after the narrative of Sadie, right? That's right. So 
the way that you're reading it, it's happening simultaneously. So you're you're not sure what happened to Sadie, just like the podcast host is trying to figure it out. But, you know, Sadie knows things that the podcast host doesn't. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so this is right up my alley because, first of all, I love true crime. I love YA. I love thrillers. And I love podcasts. So, Andrew, this is a perfect pick for me. Great job. You're welcome. Again. All right. So the things I liked about it, the elves, um, I really loved the format. I really liked the dual narrative. And I really loved the podcast parts. And I think this is going to be maybe the only time I've ever said it. But I think I might have enjoyed the book even more as an audiobook because I, I listened to it a little bit and they have different actors reading the different parts and they have the background noise and it sounds like an actual podcast. There's even like a theme song for the podcast. So Does it, it go like this? No. It goes... No, no, no. We're going to cost us, gonna cost us so much money, Toby. <laughs> um, it seems like the audiobook would be really immersive. And so if this is of interest to you and you're into audiobooks, I would definitely suggest listening to it. Reading it is great, too, but it just seems like one of those things that you might get a little bit more out of listening. Man, imagine if you worked at Audible and you got this book across your desk where it's like, yes. <laughs> well, because they're working with like one actor all the time. Just read the book. Just read the lines. Where here it has like music cues. I, I imagine them being like, bring in Jeff. This is Jeff's thing. And Jeff is like, ah, yes. <laughs> all right. So I love the format. Um, I really loved the relationship between Sadie and her sister Maddie. Although Maddie is dead when the book starts, there's a lot of discussion over um, Sadie's loss and her relationship and her feelings of guilt over what had happened to her little sister. Um, I really also loved a lot of the way the information is revealed. In many ways, the plot is predictable in that, you know, it starts out with Sadie knowing who the killer is, mm. and but she just has to find him. But at the same time, there are a lot of revelations, especially in the interplay between the future podcast and the present of Sadie's journey that really hit hard. And you're like, oh, wow. Oh, no. Ah. <laughs> And those were those were actual audio clips that Dylan captured uh, as Bailey was reading the book. Yes, <laughs> spliced in there. Um, and the ending, like the ending, really hits you. And mm. I would love to find somebody to talk about the ending with. So somebody's read it. Email the to read this podcast at gmail dot com because I would love to talk to you about what you thought about the ending. It's a quick read. A lot of it is just the podcast, and so it speeds right through, like reading a screenplay. And I, I got some quotes. These quotes will be also my elves. I don't really have that many orcs, if I'm honest. I was going to say, yeah, I'm waiting for these Yeah, it orcs. sounds like this is elf heavy. Another really big elf, the high elf. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest Elrond. elf, the fat elf. <laughs> <laughs> Elrond, yes, the Elrond of this book. is um, the, She has some really great descriptions. It is... It is YA. It's not, you know, it's not Tolstoy, but there's excellent descriptions. <laughs> Jeez, this is what life is like now, <laughs> post Anna Karenina. But there are some good descriptions. All right. Dylan, remember when we, we had breakfast and Bailey was like, these potatoes are good, but they're no Tolstoy. <laughs> you guys are rude. All right. Here's a good quote. Page 101. This is from Sadie's perspective. She's dead, I whisper, and I don't know why this is the thing I choose to say out loud because it hurts to say it, to feel the truth of those words pass my lips, to have them be real in this world. But she's dead is the reason I'm still alive. She's dead is the reason I'm going to kill a man. Ooh, exciting. Right? So yeah. it, you get into it, it's exciting, 
And I even read the last bit listening to the soundtrack of It Follows. I don't know if you've heard that soundtrack, but it's like, ding, ding, ding. It's very intense Mm. horror. So I was trying to get into like the headspace of the mystery thriller and it made it all the more immersive and and scary. Have you guys ever done that before? Like listen to music while reading? That's exactly what I was going to ask. Yeah, I've I've tried it, but it doesn't, unless it, unless it matches up exactly, it just distracts me. But if it was, if it worked, like I can imagine, like this was a case too. I wanted to be immersed, and you guys were having a fun time playing Mario Party in the other room, and so I wanted to like not be distracted. So I put in the headphones. (laughs) Sorry, I beat your husband so badly (laughs) in Mario Party playing the mole character. I sometimes listen to music when I read. There are a couple of like focus based playlists on Spotify that um, I find I can it's good if I know that I'm going to be distracted by something like as you say someone's in the other room or like if I'm on a plane and there's just a lot of other sounds and like things going on it's like this is this will keep me at least somewhat focused in on something I kind of wish I could do it more because it does like when it's worked for me like when I picked like the right soundtrack or whatever it could be very like yeah it can help a lot with atmosphere and mood and get you really into it Mm -hmm. but more often than not it just distracts me Yeah. yeah So now that I think about it, you know, there aren't really that many orcs. Uh, one orc that I should say is that there are a lot of content warnings, trigger warnings. There's a lot of serious top, you know, if you're worried about that, I would look that up before I'd read it. Um, and I guess this all this is all to say that I'm giving it four stars, mm. but, but I'm not giving it five. And honestly, you're going to hate me. The only reason why I'm not giving it five is because I gave Anna Karenina four, and I feel like I can't go for <laughs> Anna Karenina. They're supposed to, to be independent, Bailey. I know. It's a different it's, thing it's, to it's, read a YA novel than it is to read Anna Karenina. You're allowed to like yeah. use different rubrics. Absolutely. And it is, it's, a, it's a scale of personal enjoyment. It's not like an objective scale of overall artistic merit. Toby, you just gave an extra star to Lord of the Rings for artistic merit. I know, but I'm saying I'm kind of advocating for you're able, like it doesn't have to be a thousand percent consistent. If you, like for me, like if I read a book and I really, really like it, I'm not trying to say like, oh, I gave this four stars, five stars. Mm -hmm. Just, I know when I read a five star book. Did you have that feeling when you read this book? Like, yeah, like I really, really love it. I know exactly what you mean. And you know, I didn't have that feeling. So there you go. Four stars. I I think it's a four and a half maybe. So just a little better than Anna Karenina. Oh, God. (laughs) Toby. All right. Andrew, do you have any facts? I do. I do have some facts. So Courtney Summers is Canadian. End of facts. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's not as much about Courtney Summers as there is about J.R.R. Tolkien out there what? in the world. So she's Canadian. Uh, I should say that I got most of this information from her own website and also an interview she did with Publishers Weekly. Her first book, Cracked Up to Be, was published in 2008 when she was only 22. Mm. Um, you can extra- extrapolate from that that she's about 33 now and has published six books. She dropped out of high school at age 14 to pursue her education independently. Um, And I have a quote from her about that. Quote, yeah, I'm a high school dropout. (laughs) Just kidding. There's more to it. Yeah, I'm a a high school dropout. I would go to school every day and I hated it and felt like it wasn't the place I needed to be. I had the full blessing of my parents and I was very privileged to be able to make that decision for myself. From that point on, during the time that I would have been in high school, I decided I would figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I wanted to tell stories, so I played around with different mediums. I wrote screenplays. I took pictures. I joined the local theater. I thought for sure I was going to be an actor, but thankfully that didn't happen. When I was about 18, I wrote my first novel, which didn't get published, thankfully, but it was then that I realized, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It all clicked into place. Wow. Cool. 
That's so interesting that as somebody who like didn't like high school, she's writing about why she's writing YA. Like it must have been, I don't know, a pivotal time in her life, even though it seemed like an unhappy time. Yeah, I mean, she probably had, I don't want to guess too much, but I, I would assume that she had strong enough feelings to convince her parents to let her drop out of high school. It must have been like a serious point of her life. But <laughs> a couple quotes from the Publishers Weekly interview about Sadie specifically. Um, the interviewer asks, were you a true crime enthusiast when you started this project? Courtney Summer says, I always liked true crime. Serial had just ended or was winding down when I started writing Sadie. I was thinking about how true crime is a genre devoted to justice, to the search for truth, but at the same time, it's hard not to wonder how well we're serving the narratives of people who aren't around to speak for themselves. On top of that, so many true crime stories feature violence against women and girls. That's the heart of those stories. We're tuning in regularly to witness this pain and these brutal atrocities against women. So I wondered, what is the impact? What does it mean when these kind of stories are so consumable? What does it mean to tell these stories? What are the potential consequences and impact? I do love true crime and true crime podcasts, so it's not an indictment. But Sadie is an exploration of the way we interact and consume media, especially when it centers around violence against women and girls. Oh, that's an excellent quote. That's also another one of the themes. One of the things I liked is, you know, they confront the male podcast host and ask him, you know, what are you getting out of this? Mm -hmm. Um, For sure. And the only other thing I want to throw in also from that Publishers Weekly interview, um, the interviewer asks, did you always plan to incorporate podcast transcripts into the book? And Courtney Summers says, the podcast came first. It sounds funny to say that it just appeared, but it did. It always started there and with Wes's voice. He was the gateway to Sadie. I had built the initial questions with him and there she was, the answer. Ah, cool. Yeah. So yeah, I, this, cool. It, honestly, doing the research about this makes me want to read this book. I think I might read it as well. It sounds fun. It sounds like I mean, it's on it's on Audible, yep. so I might just blast through it. it. Sounds like a quick one. Perfect. Yeah. I think I'll read that instead of Harry Potter. Nope, Dylan. <laughs> good, good research, Andrew. Good quotes. Thank you. Uh, so Sadie by Courtney Summers, four stars. I'm definitely going to keep it on my shelf, and I'm going to you know lend it out to you guys. <laughs> so Andrew, I hear you have a weird game for us. So who can say what? leads me or anyone to the place where I was last night trying to create this game. I wish I had a better explanation as to why I decided to mash these two things together. But the game this week is called McHobbits. Um, okay. And it's going to be a game where I will say a name of a, of a thing, which is either a location in the Lord of the Rings Hobbit Similion world, the Tolkienverse, mm-hmm. or a literal Google translation into Welsh of a McDonald's food item. Oh, yes. <laughs> I just want inside your brain, Andrew. So full disclosure to anyone who speaks Welsh, any Welsh people who have been to a McDonald's in Wales, I literally just took menu items from the UK McDonald's website and plugged it into Google Translate. So I don't know if this is actually how it appears there or if I'm uh, saying something completely wrong, but mm. this is, blame that part on Google. Blame the pronunciation I'm about to do on me. Do we get an extra point for guessing what the food item is? I'm so glad you, you asked say, because you do. Yeah. You do get an extra Ooh. point for guessing um, the food item. You Excellent. also technically get an extra point if you guess what the location is in the Tolkienverse, but you're not going to. So the way the game will work is we're going to do turns this time after realizing my error in the game last time when people would buzz in. People, Toby. Toby. <laughs> uh, I think we can say people because once I did it twice and started beating you, you realized what I was doing. You did it for yourself, so. Fair, fair. Um, I'm going to give Toby the choice. Would you like to go first or second? Uh, I'll go second. 
Toby is going to go second. You will guess whether it is a McDonald's food item or a location from the Tolkienverse. And we are going to play to five. Excellent. Mm-hmm. If you get it correct again, as Toby said, you can uh, guess what sort of location it is in the Tolkienverse or what item it is from the UK McDonald's menu. Okay. Great. Here we go. Mick Hobbits. Bailey, you're going first. Sarn Athrod. Welsh. That is incorrect. That is an oh. a ford on a river in, in, in the Tolkienverse. Okay. All right, Toby, are you ready? I'm ready. Uskutlaith. I'm going to say that's a Welsh menu item. That is correct. Do you have any guess yes. as to what it is? Can you say it one more time? Uskutlaith. Well, that's clearly um, chocolate milkshake. Holy crap. <laughs> are you serious? It's not, it's not chocolate, but it is the word for milkshake, so I'm definitely giving you the bonus point, Toby. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yes. Don't be secretly Welsh this whole time. <laughs> All right, Bailey, are you ready? Yes. Sclodion. Sclodion. I think that that is a McDonald's Welsh thing. That is correct, Bailey. Do you have any guess as to what that is? Well, Sclodion. that's clearly a hash brown. It is a fried potato item, but it's the word for fries. Oh. Uh. And uh, again, to my potential Welsh listeners, I don't know if that's literally the verb fries or if it's actual fries. But again, mm-hmm. I'm going with what Google told me. All right. All right, Toby, are you ready? I'm ready. Three hern. Three hern. I'm going to say Tolkien. That is correct. Do you have any guesses to what it is? Three hern. Three hern is an elvish town? Nope. It's a massive three-peaked mountain. Duh. Oh, Duh. It's okay. All right, here we are. Eggladil. This is going to be a trick because you're trying to get me to say it's like an egg sandwich. So I'm going to say Tolkien verse. That's correct. Do you know what it is? Yes, it's definitely um, Gimli's house. Nope, it's the narrowest point of two rivers, I think in Lothlorien specifically, but you still get a point. (laughs) (laughs) Just checking on the scores. Toby, you're about to have your third turn. Um, And we are at Toby three, Bailey two. All right. Knud Kuyar. Uh, I'm going to say Welsh. Uh, Welsh food item. That's correct. Do you know what yes. Knud Kudyar is? Uh, Big Mac. No, it is chicken nuggets. Oh. It's the other big one. <laughs> All right. Here we are, Bailey. Are you ready? Talath Dernan. That's the Tolkien verse. Yeah, it's got to be. That's correct, that, but, you know, Uskutlaith oh. was also a, a Welsh menu item, so <laughs> that, that's Talaf like, Dernan could be something that's else. That's like the, the toe jam that hobbits get. <laughs> if I told you it was a place, Bailey. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a place on your foot. It's no, it's the, it's the empty lands between Nargothrond and Doriath. So. Yeah, they're toes. Oh, uh-huh. How could you miss that? <laughs> All right, Toby, you can win here if you get this correct. I'm ready. Tumhalad. Uh, Welsh menu item. Incorrect. Oh! Oh! <laughs> no! <laughs> it was what, so what, what close. Is it? One. It's the location of the Battle of Tumhalad. <laughs> 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 All right, oh, Bailey, are you ready? Yes. Il sai or spice lud. That's Welsh menu item, and it's for a double cheeseburger. It is a Welsh menu item. It is not for a... a, a a double cheeseburger. It's for a spicy veggie wrap. Neither. This is the UK McDonald's. The UK All McDonald's. Right. All right, Toby, you can still win here. Are we 4-4 yeah. four, four now? Yeah. 4-4. Four, four. Afalau a Granwin. I have no idea. All the other ones immediately, I had a, I had like a first thing that jumped. Can you say it one more time? Afalau a Granwin. 
crap. I'm going to say Welsh menu item. That is correct. Yes! <laughs> uh, Do you have any idea what it be, is? Yeah, it's a McFlurry. <laughs> no. McFlurry, I really tried to get in there, but there's no way to get it translated. Um, it's the side item that's an option for a Happy Meal called apples and grapes. So <laughs> I didn't think you were going to get that one, but Toby has won yes. a very close game of wow. McHobbits. Return of the King. Yes. Return, Return of, of the King. Return of the King. Andrew, that was, I think, my favorite game we've ever had, besides Ball James Win. Thank you. Um, I don't know how much longer I can keep finding weird things like this, but this was <laughs> one of my favorites to find. <laughs> All right. Well, now it's time in the podcast where we learn our books for next week. It is The Choosening. The, the choosening. choosening. So, Toby, you had number 69. Nice. <laughs> Nothing funny about that because we're running a family-friendly podcast. Willful Creature by Amy Bender. Ooh, Ooh, I'm very excited about this. Have you read any Amy Bender? I have not read any Amy Bender. Can you believe it? I have it? never heard of this. What is this? So she does a lot of... Sh- this is short stories, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Th- this is a short story collection. Is this our first short story collection? This is our first short story collection. Um, So I honestly don't have a... I, obviously, this is the first book of hers that I'm going to be reading. I don't have a lot of experience with her. I think she does magical realism, stuff yeah. like that. But I honestly don't have a bunch of experience with her, so... We'll let you guys know. I'm excited. Cool. Sounds fun. I was just going to no. ask Bailey what kind of book she wanted, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, Bailey, what kind of book do you want? I mean, I want an easy book. <laughs> well, just like in life, there are no easy answers. Number 57, Kitchen Confidential, Adventures in the Culinary Underbelly by Anthony Bourdain. Yay! Ooh. Oh, that nice. sounds fun. I, I'm very curious to hear what you think about this. Me too. I, I've had this one for a long time, so I'm excited to finally read it. Yeah. And I'm... A little worried that I'm going to be very hungry after reading it. Uh-oh. What, hungry for, like, drugs. Oh, yeah. And sadness. Have you read it? No, but yeah. I just heard it's, like, it's, like, him kind of exposing the underbelly of, like, the cooking scene, isn't it? Like, working in a restaurant and how hard it is. I th- it is called The Adventures of Culinary Underbelly, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hope you like it, because I've wanted, I've kind of teetered on the edge of reading this myself a couple times, so I want to hear what you think about it. I've been meaning to read this one again, and I'm curious to see how it compares to my experience of what is a sort of bizarre section of the world, which is chefs in general. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to hear what you think of my review. That means in two weeks, we will have Andrew reviewing Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel, and I will review Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. All right, great. Thanks for listening to the To Read List. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the To Read List podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash the to read list podcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram at the to read list podcast and on Twitter at to read list pod. If you want to help us out, please go to iTunes and rate us five stars. Um, it really does help us gain visibility across that platform. You can also do it on whatever sort of uh, device you use. I'm sure they have a rating system, whether you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher or something I don't even know that the kids are listening to these days. And the other thing you can do, um, probably the best thing, is if you enjoy this podcast and there's someone in your life who loves books, who loves book culture, please tell them about it. Um, get them listening. Uh, have them listen with you. You can decide who's your favorite, whether it's me or Bailey. And um, <laughs> just, yeah, uh, share the podcast with whoever you think would enjoy it. I know it's All not right. me. It's fine, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Toby and Andrew for co-hosting the podcast with me, to Dylan for sound recording, and to Miss Jillian Beth Durkee for composing our intro song. See you in two weeks. Happy reading. Books, 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 books. books, books. books.